everyone, and welcome back. I am Alex O'Neill, and this is a review discussion for Irrational Passions Presents, and I am joined by my good friend and yours, the Professor RPG himself, Scott White. Hello, Scott. Hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going good. It's always a good day when we get to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Uh, and today is one of those days. We're going to be uh, sitting here chatting, just the two of us, talking about Final Fantasy VII Intermission, the Intermission DLC, and I guess to some extent Intergrade, but this is more of a, a review discussion for Intermission. Uh, and we're also going to we're gonna talk about Intermission uh, and I would say Final Fantasy VII Remake proper. Mm-hmm. No spoilers. Just our review discussion, critical thoughts, how we felt they uh, achieved this $20 DLC, and then at the end, because we have to, yeah. we're going to talk about the ending. We're going to talk some spoilers. Uh, if you've not played the, the So DLC, many spoilers. So many spoilers. Uh, all spoilers for all Final Fantasy VII potential video games. Um, potential and real. Uh, but there will be a, a hard cutoff for that. And uh, it's the description will already tell you when we are at spoilers, so if you want to just jump right to there and get to that, go right ahead. Uh, but for the folks that are staying, hello, welcome. Rational Passions, this is IP Presents, where we do a bunch of con- fun, a bunch of con fool stuff. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of fun, cool stuff. Uh, and uh, some of those include review discussions where we actually get to sit and talk about, talk, talk through our critical feelings. Uh, and uh, this is one such thing. You should subscribe here on wherever you can, wherever you listen to podcasts, because it's great. And we do a bunch of cool stuff, like Abish and I talking about video games and other review discussions, possibly one about Ratchet and Clank in the future. So tune in there. But uh, with all that out of the way, let's get to it. So I, we'll start with you, Scott. How did you feel about Intermission just overall? Give me your general thoughts. Um, Intermission is... Just the Yuffie DLC, right? I can't. I honestly yes. can't keep track of what's Epi- which is which. Intermission is the name of the uh, Yuffie DLC. Okay, I thought it was so good. I was so incredibly impressed with it. Um, mm. I wasn't really going in expecting too much. I like in the original game. I never really used Yuffie. So going into it, I was like, okay, it's more Final Fantasy VII remake. I mean, I'm, I'm sign me up for that. I am a hundred percent in there for that. Um, but outside of that, I w- I wasn't necessarily expecting much, and I came away loving Yuffie. Like I absolutely adore what they did with her character. Um, I think they knocked it out of the park, and Sonan was great. I thought he was really cool. Um, Fort Condor minigame was highly addictive. Probably mm-hmm. one of the best uh, Final Fantasy sub-games in a while, and in, in a very long while. And, uh, yeah, I just... It felt good. I loved kind of the team-up moves, which will undoubtedly come back in Part 2. And, yeah, I just... Mm, yeah. I ate it up. It's polished, too. It, it has a really nice polished feel to all of it. Um... I, I also really love it. I I I'm one of those I'm I'm a fan of Yuffie. I think she she fits into like the the group of misfits that is like the cast of Final Fantasy VII very well. Um I love that she's an optional character. You know, I know a lot of people don't like that. And and as I've gotten older, I think I don't like that just because she's not as well integrated into Final Fantasy VII just scenes in general just cuz she could or could not be there. 
Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny if you do have her in your party, right? That's typically the only time characters will will have dialogue between big moments where the whole party's there. Uh, and hers were always like so outlandishly ridiculous, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I think they channeled a lot of that energy into this this version of her, this this kind of distilled remake version of her, and and it's very well done. Yeah, overall the you know DLC's two chapters. It's I would say pretty hefty if you want to take your time and do all the mini games, uh, and they spend a lot of time really. Like this for me, this intermission is is kind of the the case in point of what I expected from Final Fantasy VII to remake, right? Like this is it's a new story. It presumably happened before, but we just didn't know about it, uh, and it it kind of just fits Yuffie more into the lore to the world of Final Fantasy VII uh, and fleshes that out, like which is what I kind of expected from the remake as a whole in general. Uh, and it just it nailed it. And it, it's funny because, you know, Remake does a lot different and, and has its whole kind of approach to meta narrative and, and the Final Fantasy anthology as a whole without spoiling anything. But, you know, it also does the thing where it just fleshes something out and makes it really good. And mm -hmm. it does both very well, or it does both to varying degrees of success. Um, and this is kind of more the former. Uh, where it's just like we're just fleshing stuff out, but it's this is truly all new, right? This is all kind of original material. As far as I know, Sonon is a completely new character. Yeah, um, and and it's they they use everything really effectively, and I, I appreciate that. Like this feels like a really grounded, believable story in this world uh, that just much like Final Fantasy VII remake, just spends all of its time making you care about the characters and like, mm -hmm. like like they're front and center the story is kind of secondary to to them uh but yeah a few things worth talking about i think yuffie's characterization which you already brought up is she's great like before she was just kind of like the materia hunting scamp <laughs> like it's, it's hard to find yeah. like another word to describe her she's just kind of a scamp uh and and in this they like She's overconfident. You can tell she kind of gets that overconfidence from her dislike of her father, uh, who she doesn't like talking about. Like they, there's just enough little bits through dialogue that you really get a, a clear image of of her. Mm -hmm. And then you know she she kind of goes through the events of the story that that changes her and and makes her uh, kind of resent Shinra even more. And I, I think that's they just did such a great job with her. Yeah. How did you feel about the um the beans? I forget what they're called, but the cacao, cacao, the cacao beans? beans. Yeah, I did. I I thought it was like a running gag that, it, like, it did nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, okay, they, Wu Wutians have incredibly hard teeth or something. I didn't quite get the running gag, but it's like it didn't bother me. Yeah, I always like. I'm always curious how people feel about like this is their attempt to kind of like inject some kind of cultural uniqueness to Wutaians, right? Like this weird cultural thing that they do of crunching on hard beans. <laughs> and I just like, I'm always curious how that's going to go over. Cause like, this is mm -hmm. such a JR, such a JRPG thing. Mm -hmm. um, and like, it, it's in like every video. It's like, here's my, I'm from this place and we're normal, except we all do this weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> and like this is exactly that. Yeah. 
yeah, it's weird. It's fun. I liked that. I didn't really like. I was whatever to it until like later on. Yuffie and and Sonon each have cacao beans, and she's like, "You know what? I'm glad that you're here." And I'm like, "I I'm glad that there is a long con payoff for this." Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was kind of indifferent to it otherwise. But we should talk about the the combat because they they updated the the combat system here. Um, because Yuffie's the only controllable character in Sonon, you can't directly control. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a guest character. But by pulling the left trigger, you can synchronize with Sonon, and that forces him to attack whatever you're attacking and puts you into like this synchronized state where you're attacking together. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can also do certain commands together if you both have ATB, or you can even do your limit together, which is, is very yeah. cool. I, before we get I, into combat, there's one thing I need to ask you about. Yeah. How fantastic was Yuffie's, like, reveal of her outfit? It was great. It was like, finally, Yuffie gets her magical ninja moment. Yeah. <laughs> her, like, you know, Madoka Magica transformation. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that part. That That's all I wanted to, to ask. About. Oh, yeah. No, I and, like, the game like makes you wait so long for that she's in this mood co- mog costume for so mm-hmm. long uh and i knew whatever it was going to be like her unveiling herself so to speak uh which is just her throwing off like a cloak uh was going to be great but it yeah it exceeded my expectations it was very good so. um even sonon like playing like as a character like from the writing standpoint like he plays kind of like the straight man to mm-hmm. he's like absurd bossy nature and he does just such a great job because like they uh, there are parts where they're talking and they actually agree on things like they agree that like actually like regardless of all these people that are suffering here like Shinra is still really bad and we still have to do something about like Mm. the moments where they kind of see eye to eye makes that weird dichotomy of how ridiculous she is versus how normal he is like way more believable I think oh yeah which is cool it it was I liked how they kind of made it, especially when they first met, like him uh, relying on her and kind of not kowtowing or kowtowing, but um, realizing that even though he's older, she's been a ninja for a lot longer than he has. Like Mm -hmm. there's that difference in skill, even though she comes off as very much a uh, A kid. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's respect there for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's like the, the whole thing with Yuffie they build her up as like she's obnoxious and full of herself but she's also like a pretty good fighter so mm-hmm. like people end up being kind of like annoyed with her because it's like ah oh, well you know you do you do kind of walk the walk when you talk the talk which I, I just yeah. love it I can't wait to see her interact with the other characters it's, oh it's I know be so good um, especially like Red 13 and Cloud like her against those two I think is going to be so interesting Oh yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. Especially because, like, I know she had like a huge crush on Cloud in the original game, so I'm mm-hmm. curious how that kind of translates. Uh, if they're even gonna touch on stuff like that, I'm sure they will a little bit. But, um, but with combat, they they introduced this synergize system. The uh, and like honestly, the the thing I thought of with these um, synergized ATB attacks was uh, dual attacks. Like, there was a, the yeah. first thing I thought of, and it, and it, like, hits that same level, like, Chrono Trigger does, of, like, okay, we both have a meter now, we can both do this move together, and it's, 
I just want them to go everywhere with this. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, beyond even the, the synergy system, which is great for, like, building stagger and, and uh, like, doing damage after you've staggered an opponent, like, the, the dual techs, like, the, the dual command inputs, more than anything I want to see make a comeback. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't wait to see how they flush that out in the future games. Um, I think it'll just be so, so cool. Um, and yeah, seeing how it kind of develops and flushes out, I think, has a, tons and tons of potential. Do, do you think that there will be, like, do you think this synergized system with Yuffie and Sonon, do you think that only really works with two people, or, or is there a way to make it work with, with a three-person party? I think they could find a way to make it work. I think yeah. they could find a way to make it work. I think so, too. I, I think you'd, you'd have to kind of reconfigure some stuff. But there's definitely a way to do it. Um, and, like, this certainly made a case for, like, two-person parties just in general, like, splitting off into teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and I, I want to ask you, like, did this remind you at all, uh, and I know, like, way back when we talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake originally, uh, I, I think this game has a lot of Tales DNA in it, just in general, especially, like, how it approaches side quests. Mm-hmm. But did you get that, like, Tales of Zillia Link system vibe with the Synergy system as well? Yeah, a bit. I, f- I feel like, w- especially with how Yuffie incorporated her, like, ninjutsu into her attacks, reminded me a lot of Sheena. Um, yeah. I got very strong Sheena vibes, uh, which is always fun. I always... Sheena is fantastic, not only as a character. her vo- She's voiced by Jennifer Hale. Like, everything's fantastic about Sheena, so... Saying Yuffie reminded me of Shino is a very big compliment. Um, yes. Um, but no, I hadn't really thought about it until you just mentioned it. But yeah, I can definitely see, see the uh, kind of the vibes. Um, yeah. For, for folks that have not played Tales of Zillia or Zillia 2, like, the idea is you would link with one of your party members and they would go on the other end of an enemy. And that's like a kind of flat field kind of like a tekken field you can move in 3d but you're you're fighting on a on a 2d plane uh and with the other character around on the other end you could do these link arts uh these special moves to build meter uh at certain thresholds um and that was like the whole game was kind of built around that that combat system is very good uh and i like it because it builds up to the fact like the final boss is also linked with another character it's like only time in that whole game that it happens (laughs) And it's so good. It's, like, such a great fight. Um, and this very much felt like that in how smooth it was to link and unlink. The the difference being, like, in that game, you were kind of encouraged to basically be linked with someone always. Uh, and in this, you have to kind of de-link because it's a lot harder to build ATB when you are linked, synergized with Sonon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like I liked that give and take. And, yeah, that was, like, the first thing I thought of. I think dual character combat systems with action games are so cool uh, and I, I'd love to see more of it so I, I really like their approach but it's also worth mentioning kind of what you were talking about with Yuffie's ninjutsu she has kind of two stances similar to Cloud long range and a, a short range and right short range is her general attacks and she's just doing stuff and I, I love again one of the cool things that like once you've played a lot of Final Fantasy 7 Remake is everyone has kind of an effect for pressing the button for holding the button the attack button mm-hmm. and obviously integrating it with their their triangle commands uh everyone but like baron and Aerith is the range characters 
And Yuffie has like a kind of closer move if she holds the button while she's in melee stance, and then obviously all of her melee attacks. And then you can throw your shuriken with triangle, and then you switch to this long-range ninjutsu move, and you can make your range attack any of the four major attack elements, which I think solves a major, like the major materia problem uh, with the kind of base game, where if you went into a fight against an enemy that was strong and weak to certain elements, like you were kind of screwed depending on where you were at difficulty-wise. Uh, and this, like, you, you can kind of always have what you need to deal with a tough enemy mm-hmm. who you're an ninja to. And I, I thought that was a really cool adjustment. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could have controlled Sonon, but, I like, I understand why they didn't. Mm-hmm. But it was still... I loved her moves. I loved a lot of, uh, like, the special abilities her shuriken gave her. Um, I loved the one how it built up str- in strength the more skills you use before you yeah. use that ability. I thought that yeah, very uh, added a lot of kind uh, um, kind of strategic depth and kind of planning ahead and setting things up, which I appreciate. I have to say one thing is super stupid. Spending $10, like having to pay $10 for that Cactar Shuriken, super stupid. That yeah. I, I have not bought it yet, even though I, it's like, ugh. I haven't I either. it has a weapon skill, <laughs> and I want that weapon skill. I haven't either, but it's just like that that that's too much. Uh that's a bit much for me, so I'm going to pass. Yeah, ten dollars an item, even if it has like one of your major abilities locked within it, is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, um it's... I'm no I'm I'm fully with you on that. Yeah, it's 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 really cool how many little things that they were clearly testing with her kind of core ability set. Uh and like the that banishment skill is like the more ATB based skills you use, like the stronger it gets until the next time you use it. Like just the way her range stuff works, like the fact that you can change the elemental type of her range attacks kinda any time with an ATB charge. Um and just the way that like she has so many different things available to like get around the battlefield to uh, build meter to do all these other things. But, I, like, even on top of all that, because Yuffie has all these cool, unique things to her, she has, like, a super guard. Mm-hmm. Um, her perfect guard, if you guard right at the exact moment, it, like, throws up this kanji symbol. Very Sekiro style, let me tell you. Uh, and it will negate all damage from an attack. Um, and there are definitely, like, the the kind of simulation boss fight that they, they give you if you want to do some of the extra challenges is Ramu, who's great, looks great. Santa Claus has never looked better. It's true. <laughs> um, Absolutely love him. He has, and it's a great fight, because he's like, kind of a glass cannon, kind of like Yuffie is. He has low health, but does a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. So like, they, I, again, they, they their approach to a lot of different things was really cool. And he has this really vicious three-string combo where he like, teleports right in front of you and does three huge hits with mm-hmm. his staff attack, and there's enough of a delay between them for you to, like, perfect guard all three, which I did once, and it felt so good. It's like, oh, man, this is such a, like, almost Dark Souls-y, like, feel yeah. of a mechanic inserted into a character, and it fits her really well, too. Because uh, she is a glass cannon, so her kind of getting up in your face, she's got low HP, but if you guard it right at the right time, you can negate all that damage. Really mm-hmm. cool. Oh, that is, yeah, it's... 
there's so much depth to Yuffie that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, uh, totally. That it was like, this is so cool. And it, it to me, this feels like they're playing around with sequel stuff that they're going to inject into all the other characters as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think we'll get back to everyone, and, and they'll have a lot of this kind of depth kind of return to them. Um, but the only other thing I want to talk about is the, the story. How did you feel about, just non-spoilery, uh, the, the narrative of Yuffie and Midgar? I thought it was great. I love how there were little nods to her slightly interacting with other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, I, lo- I really like where they positioned Yuffie's story in terms of the narrative of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I thought that was a really good idea where they put it. Yeah. And it's cool because, like, Yuffie is from Wutai, and Final Fantasy VII Remake spends a lot of time reestablishing Wutai as, like, more of a, like, the background... You know, Wutai is a totally optional path in the original Final Fantasy VII, but they are mentioned in the main narrative as, like, they were who... Shinra was at war with and mm-hmm. they they were a big enough deal that Shinra was fighting them and now having like any and all context for kind of what they were up to in this kind of peaceful times like five years post war uh, is cool it, it context again it brings that other stuff that we only hear about back into the forefront of the story and it's like yeah Wu-Tang's got ninjas and they are ninjas <laughs> you yeah. know, they're not like did some we, other did we tell JRPG you they're ninjas thing. They're just they're just ninjas, <laughs> and there's like a great moment because uh, like Scarlet, one of the the Shinra folks, ends up kind of being one of the antagonists of the DLC, and she's like, "They must be ninjas," and I was like, "She did not just say that; it's so ridiculous." Um, so yeah, it it, it is great, and it, it like makes Wu Tai feel more like a force that has interest and agency mm-hmm. in the world versus like they're kind of off to the side. And and yeah. that's Yuffie, right? Like that's what this is all doing for Yuffie. She's gonna be a part of the story now. She's gonna she's not gonna be optional anymore for sure. Uh, and and this was a great way of like having an optional content with her uh, in this being DLC mm-hmm. uh, to flesh her out, but like also sets her up for when she she kind of takes the stage. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts you want to throw out here before we uh, start talking about some spoilers? Um. Not really. Nothing's nothing's really jumping out at me. Um, uh, what what did you think of Fort Condor, the game? Fort Condor is great. I I, I played it. Um, I, I was like playing through the DLC in the morning, uh, and I started like around nine a.m. And as soon as you get into like town after you fight some monsters, you you kind of get access to Fort Condor, and I it was like twelve. PM before I did any more story. I was like, next three hours or Fort Condor, baby, let's go. <laughs> uh yeah, I did like all of it immediately. I didn't do any I full break, full stop to the game. Immediately had to do all Fort Condor. It like it hit the Gwent levels for me. Which yeah. I have not, nothing's hit that in a long time. In that like it, it is all the special characteristics of Gwent in that if they spun it off into its own thing, I wouldn't like it. Because part of what made this cool was like every t- every time you beat it, you get Condor coins, and then you can go to the the Happy Turtle guy and like trade those coins for new units. 
and then new units would like random be on like a random rotation at this one guy's shop. So like mm-hmm. between things, you're kind of walking around getting new units and then updating your strategy, getting new boards and stuff. And then on hard mode, there's a whole new. Everyone has a whole new challenge. Um, that's like the hard mode challenge, and there's, then there's a new hard mode grandmaster. And after I beat the game, after I beat the DLC, I immediately started on hard mode, went back to right there, and then did all of Fort Condor <laughs> again because I couldn't stop myself. Uh, so yeah, I, big. So you liked he, it, it is, is what I'm gathering. Yeah. That's what I'm I'm picking up. It is like just the right amount of simple. And, like, it's fast enough that, like, even if you lose, even on hard mode later on, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't care. Let me just try again. Um, yeah, it's great. And it's broke. It's, like, clearly on imbalance, but, like, it's fine. That's how it should be. Things like this should, should you should be able to get, like, really overpowered in. I, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that. And they let you do that here. Uh, so I'm happy. Um, all right. Well, I think I, that that's going to be our regular discussion if you couldn't tell i think glowing recommendation like especially for a 20 dollar piece of dlc i think the content that you get here is great um it's worth playing just because like combat wise this is some of the most interesting stuff in final fantasy 7 remake and that's saying mm-hmm. something because that game has a ton of really cool combat stuff in it um and like if you want to do the the side stuff like i did every single thing side mission wise like the challenge rooms and stuff that are unlocked after you beat the integrate DLC and doing the, the DLC on hard mode after the fact. And it took me 15 hours was the, the total for the, the DLC. For me. Okay. That's, that's all the Fort Condor, all the, the training room stuff, grinding to level 50 and all that. So, uh, I think if, if you want to do everything, it's a ton here. And I think it's more than worth 20 bucks. If you want to just play through the story, I'd say you still get five to six hours of like a really great, little more piece of DLC for mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 7. So. And that's never a bad thing. Not at all. Uh, Alright, let's talk about spoilers. We have entered the spoiler realm. The veil is over. Zach is here. <laughs> the spoilers are happening. Um, so, what, do you, what, do you th- what did you think at the end of Final Fantasy 7 intermission? Um, the first time I watched it, I thought, Whoa, so he's not in a different timeline. And mm-hmm. then I went back and kind of rewatched it and I was like, no, he's still in his timeline. But he didn't die, someone else died. Yes, we're on the same page then. That's that is the uh the vibe I'm I'm getting is yeah, that Aerith is in fact the one who's died in his time in this new uh this new timeline. This is the Zack timeline. Yeah. So I'm I totally agree. I'm with you. And it's it's cool how that that scene is done the the very end scene with Zack going in the church like practicing his lines before he goes in. It is like just ambiguous enough, but there's definitely a tone of grief. Mm-hmm. There, of like of mourning the loss of someone, plus the flowers are dying. Uh, and it's like, all right, I feel like we know. And I love that, too, because I think at the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake, even after the, the whole clusterfuck of, like, what is going on, if Zack's alive and he's alive in some other timeline, what does that mean and why should I care? Like, mm-hmm. why does that matter? Um, like, I think this more 
I, I love how the the end the extended cut ending of this like specifically I think addressed what a lot of people were feeling and like the concern and confusion. It like mm-hmm. it shows the main crew and they're going to calm. Things are gonna go the way we kind of think they are at least for a while. You know, it, it's very much setting up that that the next game will probably start with the the flashback with Cloud and Sephiroth. Great, all that's great, and it, it, it's like. You know, you see this, the last thing you have in your head is, like, the unknown journey will continue. And you're like, many people, I'm sure, were like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm worried. Yeah. Like, what, are, what are they saying? And and now they're kind of at least saying, like, hey, we're going to Calm. You know, we're probably going to see the Midgar's home. We're probably going to go to those Crystal Caverns. Like, we're going we're gonna to be in a lot of the same ter- territory. Things are just going to have a different vibe here. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the the first game. And then in the Zack stuff, it's like, I think a lot of the question, at least that I had, is like, well, why is this here? What is, like, the point of this? And I like the idea mm-hmm. that they're setting up is that, well, in this Crisis Core timeline, let's call it, where, you know, you're playing the end of Crisis Core and you want more than nothing is just for Zack to win. And, like, let's hypothetically make a world where that happened. And he won. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cloud hopefully gets to see a doctor and then get some help. <laughs> uh, but... The, the cost of like you know because he was really messed up at the end there you know and the only reason he was able to do anything was because like Tifa came up and he, he kind of like imprinted memories to see her um and in this course of events where maybe things just get, shake out differently Aerith dies and now like there's kind of like this always this this cost and that I think way more interestingly sets up them like eventually just killing her in a different way mm-hmm. <laughs> in the main game, right? Like, like they, that. There's, they're setting up tons of potential possibilities with that. And it, yeah. it's like, okay, Zack's alive, and now he's probably pissed because Sephiroth probably had something to do with her dying in his timeline. Mm-hmm. And now he's on his mission, and, and whatever that story is, we will probably get bits and pieces of while we're on our kind of main story. Yeah. And that makes sense. It, it, like you know, it doesn't make sense, but it, I can believe it. it. I can understand it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. I think we're on the same page with that. I was curious if you would have like a different kind of theory of that, but yeah, I definitely think Aerith is dead and whatever happened there. I like how they kind of hinted at things. Um, like the first thing I noticed is like the flowers aren't crushed. Like Cloud didn't crash through and crush the yeah. flowers, and it wasn't until I went back. Um, and really, I watched Maximilian Dude's, his reaction to the end, and... and yeah, I did as well. Yeah. It's... I didn't catch the flowers were wilting until I saw his thing. And I was like, holy yeah. crap, they are wilting. So... Yeah. And I, th- I think that's, like, the clearest message. Yeah. Uh, uh, and... Like, there's, you know, maybe, like, the one of the plates isn't in the background or something there. I, I don't know about all that, but... I I it I have a lot of questions because I was always under the impression that like Zach and Cloud were like rolled up to Midgar like six days before the events of Final Fantasy VII started. I guess it's longer, uh, depending on what Crisis Core changed, how the how that game affected things. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know. But I in my head like seeing this ending, seeing Zach here like this really feels like. My theory is going to be, like, this is the Crisis Core timeline. Um, Because, like, I feel like 
in in the same mm-hmm. way that the whispers were kind of like a meta note on on the fan base's kind of weird feelings about Final Fantasy VII and changing it. I think like Zach being alive in some alternate reality is going to be the reality of his that we got really attached to, and that's like the one. Like I have a feeling in Zach's narrative timeline, even though things are going to be different, obviously, mm-hmm. like that is where we will see more. If we were to see Genesis, that is where Genesis would end up. I, I think like he wouldn't show up in like the proper timeline, but he would show up to be like an antagonist for Zach because there's more of a relationship mm-hmm. there. And I feel like it's going to touch more on crisis core stuff there. Cause there are a lot of people that like crisis core. That's like the one people always defend. So I, I think that if they're going to do something with that, I think that's where to do it. Yeah. I could see that. Angel showing up as a ghost or something. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to. I'm just saying it, it probably would happen. <laughs> It's true. So, so with this in mind, what's do you have any theories for what's next? Like, are you with me in that? Like, the next game probably starts with that yeah. flashback. I think that, especially with them being right and calm, I could see it starting with that and then transitioning kind of at the end of that to everyone sitting around in the hotel, kind of talking to Cloud about, dude, what, what the fuck, um, yeah. kind of thing. Um, That's crazy that that happens. <laughs> now. I want to ask you, like, with them setting up Zach and his timeline, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, this is, again, still a theory, because Lord knows we still don't know for sure anything. Um, do you think that in the Calm flashback, we see Zach in any capacity? Not like he's there and we're addressing the fact that he was there and Zach was just a regular-ass dude there. I mean, like, does, do we, like, see, like, those weird flickers of, like, Zack and, and Cloud, like, maybe misremembering things and, like, kind of being called out on it by Tifa? Mm-hmm. Like, are things going to be wildly different in this recap, or do you think it's going to be kind of straight and narrow as it was before? Um, I think we might get some little teases. Um, Sure. Uh yeah, I don't know. It it's it's strange because of all the teases they're already doing with Zach. I don't know yeah. how that is going to impact everything else they the, everything else they're doing. Um so yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my cuz the only reason I bring it up cuz I had a thought, another wild and crazy theory that potentially like Zach that narrative of Zack and what is what the fuck's going on with Zack could be the whole subplot and endgame reveal of the second game as opposed to them kind of saving it for late mm-hmm. because we start in Calm, we start in the, with a flashback to Nibelheim and like the whole thing of Final Fantasy 7 is like the the setup of that and then the, the kind of later payoff of like, damn it all that was wrong like everything that you learned there or you thought you knew about that was wrong mm-hmm. i feel like if they set up and like this is i'm gonna say something crazy here but you know hey we're we're having fun here uh if they set up like zach is something like zach is a part of that narrative was there at nibelheim early in in cloud's recap mm-hmm. maybe even like doing the full like actual recap where like 
Like, what if, like, we start the game playing as Zack in Nibelheim with Sephiroth, and they don't address it at all, and then, like, at the end, we cut it to being Cloud, mm-hmm. and then he's like, and it was me the whole time. <laughs> and, like, because, like, they could just fuck with us that whole time for then to, like, the, that being the beginning of the game, and then the end of the game being, my hope is that it's the, the Northern Crater when it's revealed that it was Zack and it wasn't Cloud, and then, like, Zack just shows up. <laughs> like, for real. Like, I don't through some timey-wimey nonsense. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there is... There's so much room for them to fuck with us. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah, I have no idea how, like, how this is all gonna go. I really, really don't. And I am so excited to see more. Like, I feel like this is all cul- going to culminate in... in I'm stealing this from Maximilian, dude. Like, the final fight with Sephiroth will be Zack and Cloud teaming up. Yeah. Like, a dual Omni-Slash, like, Dually-Slash, or some crazy shit, and they blow up, like, Sephiroth's universe or something. It's gonna be something yeah. nuts like that. Which I'm here for. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm all, all the way here for. 100%. Uh, I just, like, I, I wonder, I like that, and, and if it turns out, like, basically... It, like Laguna style to use mm-hmm. another Maximilian dude phrase. But like also I was thinking about like Final Fantasy VIII and Laguna and like how they kind of cut back to that narrative. Like throughout the sequels to Final Fantasy VII Remake, now that we know Zack is in the wild in his time, like we have like sub chapters or DLC chapters maybe even where we're going through his like alt history version of Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. where it's it's the Zack time. And, you know, this could potentially just be them setting up a Crisis Core 2 where they just do Final Fantasy VII Remake again, but it's, like, this remix Zack timeline. Um, and, and, like, we have, like, these little sub-chapters where we're, like, and this is what's going on with Zack, and and all in the hopes of building up to, obviously, a point where they meet. Um, I'd just be really curious. Like, we don't know if that's what they're going to do, but that, I feel like, makes the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm so excited to see, potentially, what that is, or... Or what anything Zach is up to, because like obviously we're gonna play Zach at some point. So just excited to see how that pans out. Yeah, I I just can't imagine like how this is all going to affect, um, you know, like Aerith's outcome in the original game. You know, yeah. How is this all going to be affected by that? I like if. I had the my last crackpot theory that I had is like, and it's probably this is probably a, a bridge too far for the Final Fantasy VII writers, but it's that if if Aerith is actually dead in Zack's timeline, that what could end up happening to get like the happy ending for folks is that Aerith leaves the Prime timeline in remake, even though she survives to go back to Zack's timeline and live mm-hmm. in that era. So that way they can be together. Um, and it, so it's still sad, but it's more melancholy of like, all right, well, you're choosing this and, or, or by some means her dying in this timeline will, will ensure she gets to live in the other. Uh, like, I have a feeling that could be where it ends up going. I don't know. You know, that's, that's more, I feel like that's more of a stretch than honestly anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's hard to it's hard to say that Aerith is going to get a happy ending at the end of this. I I still have firm doubt, unfortunately. 
Do you think she would choose Zack over Cloud? If she ends up surviving, do you think she would leave Cloud to go back to Zack? I think so. I think, like, that's... I, I feel like that was, like, the retcon kind of intention of Crisis Core in a lot of ways. It's kind of, like, one of my, like, back and forth, like, I like this and I don't like this thing about Crisis Core mm-hmm. is, like, the fact that they had a relationship at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, like, in the original Final Fantasy VII, Aerith says to Zack, like, oh, yeah, my ex-boyfriend was a soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, like, did you know anyone? And I think she even says, like, did you know someone named Zack at some point yeah. to Cloud? Um, and then obviously we learned that Zack is the person that gave Cloud his sword, and and that's really all he was. Uh, you know, he was this yeah. person that a soldier that Zack was or that Cloud was potentially friends with. That then, because they both had Genova cells, Cloud kind of copied Zack and became him. <laughs> you know, after he died, mm-hmm. and so like the, me, it, it's weird that like now they wrote this whole love story with Aerith and Zack and, and they're kind of like always supposed to be together. Like they're at the OTP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just from the, the, the fan voice. So I don't know. I think like kind of how you get the Aerith Tifa or Barrett scene in Final Fantasy seven or the date and stuff like that. If in a world where like Aerith potentially has to choose to leave and go be with Zack or stay and be with cloud, I have a feeling like, I would hope that something that significant they would tie into how you play the character. Uh, yeah. And, and it, would, it would kind of be a result of, of y- what you want to do. But I, like, I don't know. I've thought a lot about, like, I feel like all of Final Fantasy VII Remake is, like, leading up to a choice for the player to make. And one choice is changing things at the cost of something. And the other is letting things stay the same mm-hmm. at the cost of knowing that you didn't change it. Uh, and I'm, I think there's so many different ways that they could do that. Uh, especially, I just played Mass Effect, so I certainly know there's a lot of ways they could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious to see if they they kind of go that route because you do get these like little choices throughout Final Fantasy VII Remake that end up having relatively significant. Mm-hmm. repercussions so i don't know uh do you have any other like crazy theories about the next remake do you when do you think we're gonna hear about it again uh i i don't know i could kind of see it like maybe a tease at like game awards just like yeah something very small tease now i'm curious I could almost see party members are tied to who... What if, like, they split, like, the Final Fantasy VII party? Like, some party members go with Zack and others are with Cloud. Hmm. Like, in the the Cloud timeline, you don't... maybe, Maybe you don't necessarily interact with Vincent. Or maybe Vincent's still a Turk in Zack's timeline. Maybe they'll do crazy things like that, or Sid. I'd be more into that. Like yeah. they are like completely different, or, or fill like mm-hmm. different roles. Yeah, like maybe Sid actually gets to, to go to space. Yeah, Zach's timeline. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like them like removing Vincent or any of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and and having them only playable with Zach. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I am. I do have my concerns that we might not get to Vincent in Remake 2. Not that, like, we won't go through Nibelheim, but that, like, he might not be a party member mm -hmm. in that game. We'll see. I guess it would be more likely Sid than Vincent, if, if anyone, but... Um... I, I feel like Zach, what would be cool is, I think we're going to do guest characters more. I think Sephiroth is going to be a guest character, for example, in mm -hmm. the flashback. In that we're not going to be able to control them, but we'll be able to do cool stuff with them, like Sonon. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what they'll do is all the main Final Fantasy VII cast will be fully playable and have their own features and stuff. Mm -hmm. And any guest character are going to have, like, they're not going to be playable and they're going to have kind of more unique approaches to playstyle like Sonon did. Uh, and I, I think there's a possibility that all the guest characters end up being party members for Zack. That was, like, the only thing I, I had theory. Obviously not, like, Sephiroth, but, like, mm -hmm. potentially other characters. Like, Rufus, I feel like, could be, like, a great party member for Zack. I have no idea how that happens. But I think it's very possible that, like, if Aerith dies and... Zack lives and Cloud like goes to Doctor or whatever in that timeline. Like it's very possible that uh, President Shinra doesn't die and Rufus doesn't take over, and there maybe ends up being more of a conflict between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Like they could go bananas with it. Like they could have full FF seven, like full remake style. Mm -hmm. Like we're changing everything. Like that could be the the Zack game, and I, I would think that's really cool. Yeah. But I, I definitely think we start in the flashback. I think we then go to, like, open world section. I think there's going to be, like, a whole swamp level where it's, like, a survival horror level where you're oh, in the Midgar Zola. That would be so he's good. hunting you. Um, and you have to, like, hide in trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, anytime you're in the water, um, he's, like, hunting you and coming. You hear him, like, slithering and maybe, like, crazy camera angles of him, like, going searching through the swamp for you and you have to like find chocobos to hide in areas like definitely think that's gonna be like a whole awesome dungeon where at the end you see the dead midgar zolan that sephiroth killed and you're like fuck mm -hmm. how did he do this yeah um for sure and i, I definitely think you fight that midgar zolan on new game plus and it's like hell yeah finally i can beat your ass <laughs> um i definitely think there will be more kind of open areas. I'm curious, like, if maybe you meet Yuffie at, like, Fort Condor instead, because that's where um, Avalanche is from. So maybe she went there, and that would make sense why you would meet her, stuff like that. That's kind of, like, where my head's at. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be really curious to see what they do with Copenhagen. Or, uh... Bugenhagen? Bugenhagen, that's not, not, not Copenhagen. That's a, that's a ski, <laughs> like a ski resort where the Olympics held. Yeah, uh, Bugenhagen. Yeah, he's going to know what's going on with timeline stuff. Mm -hmm. I think of, of all the people, he's going to be our, our kind of informant. And that's cool. I think that's like a good like midpoint in the story to of that game to, to start filling in the player what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, because Red Thirteen's got he's got some questions, I'm sure. Oh yeah. So I'm curious, what are some like big takes that you're expecting? Like, what uh, what big things are you uh excited to see or theorizing for? I mean, that Midgar Zolum, mm -hmm. like I've had that in my head. I feel like nobody's been talking about that too. I feel like that's definitely what they're gonna do. Like a full Resident Evil Two, 
scary ass like mm -hmm. scene where you're fighting monsters but also avoiding a much bigger threatening monster in like a swamp mm -hmm. um i'm really excited for that i've been like I, I i've gone over my head of like man if this is like how they're gonna do hell house like how are they gonna do this midgar solo yeah. like i'm so excited um i i like i said like the things i'm excited about are like potentially the nibelheim flashback being different the Midgar Zolom, Junon, I'm, like, so excited for. Mm -hmm. um, just because, like, I think the parade is going to be great. Whatever, however that is interpreted mm -hmm. into it. I'm, I really like this version of Rufus. Like, I think he's, like, so... Much like every single character in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, and I, like, when Intergrade came out, I replayed on hard mode and I just like basked in Rufus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think he's just, he's like the perfect level of arrogant asshole um, with tons and tons of belts. Uh, so I, I'm really excited to see like all those scenes with him in Chunan where like we see the more division between him and Heidegger and Scarlet, like the old guard versus the new. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm curious like Costa del Sol. I'm, I cannot wait to get to. Oh yeah. Uh, any be any beach episode of anything I'm excited about. Yeah. Um and Cosmo Canyon, like honestly number 1. Oh, I can't oh, wait to make uh, that music. Cosmo That's Canyon. I'm so yeah, excited. Is, I'm excited so for the excited. music. But also like Red 13 was so good even though he's only in like a few hours of Final Fantasy 7 remake. Mm -hmm. They characterized him well. They they nailed his voice and his kind of stoicism. And he's also kind of playfulness when he's fucking with Barrett at the end. Mm -hmm. So I am just so excited for like, because <clears throat> like when when you get there, he goes like kind of full kid, and you know Bugenhagen's like calling not Nanaki and mm -hmm. like kind of talking down to him, and <clears throat> we we get all that that backstory, and I think they're just gonna flesh that out way more, and I think we're gonna learn way more about what Red Thirteen is and his race and what they meant to the world. Um, because clearly they were like way more connected to it than than any of us know, mm -hmm. and I think all that is just going to be the vibes of Cosmo Canyon, and it's going to be so good. I just I know we there's like a ninety nine percent chance we won't get in the next game, but I can't wait for the weapons. I want to see what they do with the weapons. Yes, like and I, and for listeners. I'm not talking about the weapons you wield. I'm talking about the giant earth robots that get summoned that you the fight. Kaiju. Yeah. The super robots. I, the, the, I'm number one. I've been the most looking forward to that as well. Like I cannot in my head, like comprehend what Sapphire weapon attacking Junon Harbor. Like oh, yeah. what that is going to be in <laughs> remake. Like it's going to be, so real, so intense, and I know it's like two games away at least, but like that is probably going to be one of the most buck wild scenes in any mm -hmm. modern video game when it comes there, just because like graphically, I feel like it's going to just be out of this world. Um, and at that point, they'll they'll probably just be PS5 exclusive, mm -hmm. if, if not PS6 exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the weapons like I that scene where like all of them shoot out of the northern crater mm -hmm. and like this the end of disc two or I guess halfway through disc one where like you're on the high wind above the northern crater and Ultima weapon just flies by like oh Ultima weapon attacking um 
the cloud that town the the town that cloud is in mm -hmm. like, and just destroying it <laughs> like i'm so like if the the last part of this game just is like cutting back between fighting giant monsters which i don't know how they're going to do but i'm so excited to see um and then finding the huge materia and doing all the huge materia quests like if that's just what the end of this the last one of these is it's going to be like a Fast and Furious movie level of nonstop thrills. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So excited. I'm totally with you. Weapons are going to be crazy. Weapons in Bahamut Zero, like the the later versions of Bahamut. I hope we get a yeah, new I, version of Bahamut new, each game. Yeah, new Bahamut each game. And there's definitely going to be a new Bahamut. Um, oh, yeah. And like to, to give another shout out to Maximilian, dude, like he brought up the knights of the round and like how that's going to be incorporated into final fantasy 7 and he he's seems convinced that it'll be part of this story but like i i feel like that's like the last end game hardest side quest because like right now the precedent for summons in final fantasy 7 remake is that they're all bosses so i have a feeling like it's going to be full like fell arms from tales of whatever where you you like go and mm -hmm. fight each of the 13 knights and then at the end, you have to fight all 13 of them. Yeah. And it's like, that's going to be the most, that's full Kingdom Hearts. Like, oh, yeah. Sign me the fuck up. I am here for whatever, like, endurance fight that will be. And then, like, you know, the last night's like, the Knight of the Ancients or whatever mm -hmm. comes down in his huge-ass armor. He's like, you have earned our power. And he, like, hands you the summon materia. Are you kidding me? Ugh. By the time this game comes out, I'll be like in my forties. I don't know if my heart would be able to handle all the hype. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's gonna be intense. Yeah, I I love it, and and kind of like what you said, the the DLC of this just like makes me that much more excited mm -hmm. for the potential of of whatever's gonna happen next. And that that is the thing that I'll say to the credit of of remake and all of its meta narrative stuff is like it has gotten me excited about and. Excited because I don't know what's going to happen next, and I'm excited as opposed to like terrified. Yeah, you know, like I, I've they've shown me that they can do a cool story, whether they follow the the guidelines or not with the mm -hmm. Yuffie DLC. Uh, and I'm just along for the ride at this point. I'm stoked. I just these games need to come out soon, please, real soon. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Yeah, Scott. Uh, thanks everybody that that listened in. If you just came in for the the spoiler stuff, thank you for for hanging out and and listening to us spoil. If you if you listen to the whole thing, we appreciate it. Um, uh, Scott, where can folks find you? What, what are you working on? Right uh, now? you can find me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. You can find me writing stuff here on Irrational Passions as always, along with hosting RPG University. Um, you can also find things I've written on RPGSite.net and more of my tabletop goodness over on wargamer.com I think. I think it's .com. I think so. Yeah, it's wargamer.com uh, where I recently posted a very long detailed guide and tips for making a druid in D&D 5th edition and I recently reviewed Legend of Mana for a RPG site. And then I, ha I should be having a review for a really good action platformer over on Irrational Passions uh, this week or shortly for Mighty Goose. Uh, a delight. It was a delight. Um, but yeah, so that's... I got lots of stuff cooking. Lots of stuff in the pokers. 
Oh yeah, there's there's plenty on the IP front. We got new yeah. uh, IP podcasts with Nabishin. We finally got him back on for an episode. Uh, new Nintendo Land uh, should be up soon. Talking about E3 and a couple of new viewpoints and uh, possibly another Ratchet and Clank review discussion as well. So um, for me, Alfighter Twenty Seven everywhere and the Rational Budget podcast every other week uh, on your podcast service of choice. Uh, and that's that's really it. Um, excited for Final Fantasy's future. Mm-hmm. Happy to be here again. Um, but thank you all so much for listening, for hanging out. Subscribe to IP Presents if you don't already. Uh, either way, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you coming by here. I appreciate you chatting Final Fantasy with me, with me Scott. As always, um, dude. And- I'm always down to nerd out with you. Yeah, it's always the best time. Uh, and thank you all so much for listening. We will get you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.